Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We've been waiting for a long time, as the bus boys said it so well. Uh, and it's still a little more than 48 hours, but the boys are back in town, and Mississippi State is ready to kick off the 2023 season here in the doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, David Murray, and if you can tell by the little edge of excitement, yeah, it's finally football. I mean, we can only cover practice for so long, and we have been covering practices for so long now, but it's time to play football. Uh, Talking to Zach Arnett, various players this week, coordinators and position coaches, Mississippi State. Yes, it's the great cliche that's always pulled out this time of year, but it's still true. The Bulldogs are tired of hitting each other. They're ready to hit somebody else, and that somebody else will be southeastern Louisiana, which shows up on Scott Field this weekend, kickoff just after 3 o'clock, for the SEC Network viewing pleasure. But speaking of the network, that means you'd be at home watching. Why are you there? You need to be in Davis Wade Stadium or just on campus for this opening day. In fact, many of you will be. We were going to talk later in it, but let's just get right to the topic right now. Season ticket sales set records this year. That's, I believe, the full supply of classic season tickets have been exhausted. There are some mini packs, some four-game plans available, and, of course, some single-game tickets available, though at last report they were going really, really fast for the LSU, Alabama, and, of course, Egg Bowl games. So if you haven't bought one yet, better make your move soon because after what Mississippi State should be able to show the world this Saturday, I think the excitement will only amplify for Zach Arnett's first full season. You know, it's been a little tricky referring to him as new head coach because, of course, he took over last December, directed the Bulldogs through a most stressful bowl camp after the passing of Mike Leach, And he and a cobbled-together staff and a team that was missing a few key players still were able to get out there, win the ReliaQuest Bowl, score a ninth victory overall for the season, and build momentum going into the first year as they assembled a full-time permanent coaching staff. Now here they are after spring, after summer, after preseason, and it's time to play football. We talked to Zach Arnett this morning on the SEC's teleconference, and he just said it that there's a lot of excitement to play. And it's time to go out there now, what they saw in practices, let's see if they can play it for real. And what was his phrase, If can they put a quality product out there on the field this weekend, a team that knows how to play football? Well, of course they know how to play football, but you get the gist of what Arnett is saying. And this guy is demanding, he wants an excellent show for the first time out. Yes, he knows there'll be mistakes, there'll be gaffes, there'll be blunders, guys forget which direction to go, how to line up. All those sorts of things that they've been trying to beat out in the last seven to eight days of camp. Not even true training camp anymore. They moved into mock week last week. Now this week, true preparation. But as Arnett and other staff have made clear, they've been still trying to refine a few things ahead of the true opener. But it's time to get out there. You can only practice for so long, both mentally and physically. You've got to get out there and prove the product. Will they have a chance to do it this coming Saturday afternoon? So, what about the Bulldogs? What do we say about this team? Of course, we put our predictions together for Gene's page, and you can read the article published. I believe Mike put it out there on Monday, maybe Tuesday, I'm not sure, but it's on there. You can have it, make fun of it if you want to. You can cheer along. You can decide who you want to be most right among all of our pickers. And by the way, uh, 
I will point out that I'm the only one on our staff that took the time to make sure that my combined SEC predictions came out to 56 and 56, because that's what it has to be. Uh, well, maybe that was a little more uh, exacting than was necessary under the circumstances, but you get the idea. So, Mississippi State, what is my prediction? Okay, I got optimistic. As I said on radio today, I got really optimistic. I went with 9-3, and 5-3 and three SEC. It's optimistic, but not because I don't think this team is capable of it. It's just a realization that they're going against the typical brutal schedule. Maybe not quite as tough as last year because you've got your Power 5 game at home this year. You've exchanged uh, South Carolina for Georgia. That's a win. You've got the Egg Bowl at home. You've got LSU at home. And you have Kentucky at home as well. The teams that gave you the most trouble last season, Alabama as well. So the schedule is setting up there. But then, of course, the toss-up games, Arkansas, Texas A&M, they're on the road. Those are the games, along with South Carolina, that will determine, do the Bulldogs indeed make it that 8-9 win mark this year? What bowl do they go to? And how will we remember Zach Arnett's first full season in charge? Well, the SEC's only undefeated football coach, as uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey correctly pointed out back in July, and he wasn't exactly joking when he said so. He wanted to make a point about how Arnett was able to get that bowl victory done in his first time out. But now it's the real season, and a lot of real things are about to take place on Scott Field. I mentioned the ticket sales. I don't know what the crowd will be, obviously, because we always have the annual... A, it's too hot, although the weather forecast has moderated quite a bit. Now, moderating down from 100 degrees, that's not too difficult. Um, Under any conditions, you're going to say in the 90s, it's going to be pretty darn warm out there. But come on, we're Mississippians, we're Southerners. We do this all our year, all our life. We live with air conditioning, but when we go outside, we sweat and we're proud of it. So get out there to the ball game. Get to the junction early. Tailgate. Party. Celebrate. Walk around campus. See the changes that have been taking place on campus and those that are continuing to go on. I'm not sure if the cheese store is going to be open by this weekend. Um, I hope so because I sure need to pick up a supply soon from their beef and pork collections. Be that as it may, it's going to be a good crowd this weekend. Will it be a record-setting crowd? Eh, that's going to be tough because, A, you have those who just can't make themselves come out for a three o'clock game in warm weather. That's no criticism of you. Well, then again, maybe it is, but hey, take it however you want. And of course the annual, but it's the opening day of dove season. I'm working really hard on some of my family to let the birds alone for a day this year and just come on to football. We'll see how that plays out. Larger point being, it's going to be a good crowd and they're going to see a team that has many things to excite them with and a lot of things you really expect them to be. You expect a good, solid defensive team. Uh, when you have guys like Jaden Crumity, Nate Watson, Jet Johnson, Nathan Pickering lining up in the front box, you know it's going to be a solid defense. Uh, what's the baseball phrase? Up the middle. Definitely going to have that. And offensively, well, when you have an all-senior offensive line, and in many cases graduate seniors, that's an ideal situation to put behind a senior quarterback who now will be handing the ball off as much as he is passing the ball. Yes, as Kevin Barbeck made very clear last week, the air raid elements are still in the offense, and throwing the ball is very much a big part of it, maybe even still a bigger part of it than the run game per se. But the run game won't be used as just a decoy anymore. 
It is the real thing, watching practices so far. Jaquavius Marks, he has thrived in practices there. Simeon Price, you know what you've got. You've got Kevon Lee, the transfer. you got Jeffrey Pittman, a JUCO transfer. But you got the new kid, Seth Davis, who may, repeat may, be your number two running back already at this point without even having played a game for the Bulldogs. I mean, that's that tells you a lot about what this kid is going to bring to the run game element. And, of course, you have the tight ends now mixed in, both as extra blockers, as receivers, as guys who line up in H-back positions who can do all sorts of things. So this is going to be a fun offense to watch. You're going to really expand all the avenues, bring in more versatility, more matchup situations, more things you can do to a defense instead of just trying to make them take on what they know you're going to come with, i.e. the air raid with the short, quick passing game, things like that. Not that it didn't work. State's record showed the last two years it certainly can work. But Mississippi State runs the football. Amen. Close the books. They're going to pass it better. That's going to be one of Mike Leach's great legacies. He showed this program can throw the ball, but now you mix that in with a classic running game or even new wrinkles in the running game. In practices, we saw single back. We saw split backs. We saw pistol formations. We saw power formations, heavy lineups with the extra tight end in there. We've seen two wide receiver, three wide receiver, four wide receiver sets. Barbe is going to pull out the playbook all season. How much he shows the first game, that's going to be a little more interesting. Not because he's worried about tipping his hand to Arizona and LSU, the next home opponents. It's just the fact that he's going to run this weekend what he feels comfortable that they're going to execute. I don't think there'll be a lot of experimenting on offense this first weekend. They're going to probably simplify the playbook a fair bit. Not because Will Rogers doesn't know what to call. It's a matter of getting all the execution in. Because remember, there's a twist this year with the fact that the clock does not stop after first downs. You've got to get lined up faster, get everybody on the field. If you're going to make changes in the receiver positions, if you make moves with the running back positions, things like that, or even quarterback, because Mike Ride's going to play a big part in this offense as well with his footwork and a little better passing knack than we saw from him at Vanderbilt shown in practice so far. What I mean is, with the new rule, you've got to get those guys out there and lined up and organized just in time. And we've already seen in college football, there's been some delay penalties. There have been a lot of timeouts used by coaches because guys just aren't quite ready who were used to the clock stopping when the chains moved, particularly after big plays. That's no longer in effect now for this college game. And it probably is part of what we heard from Barbe that they have had some challenges in the recent practices as far as timing, tech, getting people, everybody in position in time. I think that's got to be part of it there. Not because they don't exactly know what to do, but it's a matter of getting it done efficiently because you just don't have those extra seconds to use relaying a play in and getting everybody ready to snap the ball. And the same, you know, host of the defensive side as well. They've got to be ready faster to play, not just because they're going to be seeing tempo offenses. In that regard, defenses have always had to adapt faster. But getting lined up quicker after the chains move, that's something that this defense is also learning on the fly. And we're going to see the first time out how Matt Brock's unit performs in that regard. And not only that, besides the tempo aspect of it, how do you get substitutes in? After a first down play, when you're, say, your safeties are a little tired from constant running, or maybe a linebacker has, you know, needs a gasser at that point. So 
That's one thing to be watching for on opening weekend, how the coordinators function under this new time rule, or in some cases, lack of time rule. I know, what was it, uh, Mac Brown, the North Carolina coach, who's been around quite a few times, he doesn't like it because he he points out that maybe you're saving seven to ten snaps per game by doing this, reducing the drain on players, but you're adding uh, a playoff system and these guys are going all season long. Uh, maybe a little bit of an irony there, but hey, it's the rules. You play by them, you make them work. So looking at this week, uh, what what concerns would I have? Well, health seems to be okay. There have been a couple receivers dinged up in the course of camp. Some of it we saw. Of course, we can't report on that. Uh, practice would be slam closed forever if we did. You've got to understand that, but uh, – some guys um, were relieved from a few practices or excused, but then what we were able to see, most of them have been returned. So it's going to be a matter when the team runs out there for the warmups of just counting who is dressed out at every position group, give you an idea what the health is, not so much even who's in the rotations, just who's available at that point. Otherwise, I expect the lines of scrimmage to be healthy. I expect linebackers and running back positions to be ready to go. So, States is uh, should be in reasonably good health for this first home game and the first game of this season. You know, we talk often about depth charts being for entertainment purposes only, and that's generally true, uh, especially going into a season. I know some coaches are real pains in the rear about that. Uh, I'm looking at you, Michigan, or what was it, Southern Cal? Others just refuse to put a depth chart out there, and Okay, every coach has his own difference ideas on that. I don't know what an opposing team is going to take from depth chart. I don't know if even current players on a team care where they're listed. Maybe some do, but if they do, then they better adjust those attitudes and realize that the depth chart is determined not by who writes something down on a sheet of paper that's put to media. It's determined by how you perform in practice each week. Let's see, was it um, Brock this week? Maybe it was Barbet. Anyway, one of State's coaches made the point that okay, we've got this depth chart, but it can change during the course of the week just by how a fellow practices or doesn't practice. So we'll see how that works out. We'll be in the press box early and often and trying to keep a running count of who's getting out there. As far as the starting lineup goes, I don't expect any real surprises on the offensive side. Um, It will be well, a little intriguing to see. Do they start uh, both Xavier and Thomas at the, one of the outside receiver positions with Tulu Griffin inside? Is Justin Robinson ready to go at the other outside position, or does somebody move up there? What do you do with Jaden Wally at this point? Uh, is Antonio Harmon a wide receiver or a tight end at this point? Does it really matter? No, but it's just something we'd like to keep track of because it does give hints on how they're looking forward to the remainder of the season and who's made their cases so far in camp now defensively no surprises up in the box you certainly have pickering and Cromedy, who i mentioned demonte russell and or jordan davis at end and i use that not because one will play over the other per se we saw a lot of four-man line and i mean down linemen in camp this year and of course brock and arnett have both talked about the fact that maybe whether it's because they want to get a safety off the field or maybe take an outside linebacker off the field, go with four true and then two true inside linebackers. You know, we talked earlier, I think a couple of weeks ago, was it Brock who said that their positions, the competition isn't so much within the position of who's first or second on the depth chart. 
the competition is, does that position even get on the field depending on what they go with? Do they stay with 335 that has been Zach Arnett's calling card and Matt Brock is trained in as well? Will it be a 425? Will it be a 434? What will they be doing defensively? Some of it has to do with the comfort factor too. Now, Sam linebacker is going to be fun to see what they mix and match there. Deshaun Page, who, fingers crossed, has been healthy this preseason, needs to stay that way through the full season so he can really reach his potential here as a senior. Or J.P. Purvis, who really started camp strong and it seems to level off a little bit there. Or John Lewis, the sophomore, who has been waiting his turn, seems just to our observing eye, ready to make his own move there at the Sam position. But that's the position, too, that may be taken off the field if you end up going with a different type set, such as the 4-2. That's the fun of it now. I mentioned true freshman, Zachary Tillman. He's pushing Jet Johnson already. Yes, Jet's going to be in there so many more plays. But it's nice to have a kid like Zachary Tillman ready to come in and give the old dog a few breaks there. In the backfield, I'd say the only certain thing is to Cameron Richardson at the cornerback position. That's not much of a reach to say that. Now, they're listing Sean Preston, Hunter Washington, and Marcus Banks at the safeties. And of that group, I'd say Banks is the most secure. And Preston probably at his safety spot, more so on age, because he is backed by a really precocious freshman in Isaac Smith. That's another one of those true freshman kids who is going to play this year. He already looks like he's developing a pro-type body. This may be another three-and-done defensive back for the Bulldogs, i.e. this time at safety instead of cornerback position. Uh, I thought Jordan Morant had a good start to camp. Now he's running in that mix with Banks and Ellington at one safety, but Morant can probably move to the other position as well. Interesting that Hunter Washington has emerged as a number one, and you know, defensive backs coaches. They were pretty unanimous on the fact that those are the guys who have practiced the best. That doesn't mean they're long-term guaranteed those starting positions the rest of the season. They've just been best in preseason, and the staff is most comfortable running them out there for the first snap. And I repeat, for the first snap of the first game. Once that play's been run, everything else is to be determined by how they perform or don't in the course of, of the game, even the series. Asayas Verge is listed first at the other cornerback position. I think that's it's probably a little too close to call realistically between he and DeCarlos Nicholson. Fact is, both are going to play. We talked to Coach Darcel McBath on Tuesday, and he made clear that everyone he dresses out for this game should play in the game, not just on special teams either. They're going to get in the game because they've earned their chance to get snaps in real situations. And it's going to be real for them because southeastern Louisiana – We don't know a ton about them. In fact, we're showing great disrespect by not asking enough about the Lions to either the coaches. We've been more concerned talking about State's own players. That's just the nature of these openers against FCS teams. But remember, that's a squad that's won nine games the past two seasons. They're a defending conference champion. They're going to come out and play some good football with an FCS roster. Now, yes, Mississippi State ought to dominate. But that's a team that's not scared to play an SEC team. They look forward to this. They're going to throw the ball around. They have two different quarterbacks that they will play. I believe last year they had more of a quarterback run element than they do this year. Um, But still, it holds up that you're going to mix in the quarterbacks. Every time they do, the defense will have to adapt to those, what the receivers are doing as well. 
I think the defensive secondary is the area to watch this week that's going to get the first and most serious test, and that's only to be expected because uh, practically since uh, they came home from Tampa, the coaching staff have been saying that their first concern in spring ball, summer ball, preseason, was rebuilding the safety spots where you lost all three of your starters from last year. So they're going to start these guys. They're going to run other people in. I mentioned Isaac Smith. You have Jacoby Albert, Chris Keyes. You have Corey Ellington, all the talent. He just needs to tap into it and make his own way into that safety rotation. Those are the guys I think are going to be the harshest graded by how the Lions try to play the game. Now, of course, they may end up with an easy game because if State just totally blows them off the line of scrimmage, it's not going to matter much what kind of coverage you have because the quarterback will be running for his life instead of looking for open receivers. That's ideal, but there'll be times, of course, when they've got to just plain cover, stay with their guy, stay eye-disciplined, watch for the surprise run plays, all those things. That's the area to me that needs the most testing and, well, I say most, place kicking still. We want to see how that develops because, again, if Nicholas Barmira is not fully able to go in the opening game, it's going to be freshman Kylie, Kyle Ferry, who we, let's make this abundantly clear, we media did not get to watch a single special team snap all preseason. No practices, no scrimmages, any of it. So we don't know how they're kicking. We have the reports from the coaches, no reason for them to fib to us or inflate anything. But as the coaches say, the competition will go right down to the game time for whether it's uh, the kickoff man and possibly even the place kicking position, which could be determined a health as well. Of course, uh, you know that you've got the punter, Keelan Crimmins, who has come in from Australia. Andrew Austin, graduate student, is the backup to him. Hayes Hammond, there's a familiar face at last in the kicking game as your long snapper. Oh, and speaking of familiar faces, Tulu Griffin and Xavier Thomas in the return positions. You know, that's something I'm going to be watching closely this season, not because we don't know what they can do. We know what we can do. they can do. That's the problem. So does everybody else. And there's probably going to be some coaches that if they don't actually lose their job, they'll certainly be on the wrong side of their head coach if they allow their players to kick the ball off to either Griffin or Thomas in returnable positions. I think those guys are going to have a frustrating fall waiting for balls to come their way, which they can do something with because teams, I I just have a feeling there are going to be oppositions this year that would just rather give up a short punt or give an easy field position on kickoffs than even let either of these two dogs touch the ball with the clock running and some blocking setting up. That's how I'd play it. But I sure hope to see these two All-Americans make some plays as well because you know the explosive potential they have. Now that's a quick look at the projected lineup. Again, it's going to be fun to watch. And and by the way, I mentioned the true freshman. They've got two on offense in the two deep, three on defense in the two deep. That speaks pretty well to this freshman signing class, doesn't it, already? And of course, you have college guys as well, transfer portal guys. But Zach Arnett has made pretty clear that The key to building teams the future will remain high school recruiting, particularly here in the state of Mississippi, using name image likeness funding to keep the players retention, as I call it, of the players on your roster that you really want to keep, and then selective and careful and targeted use of the transfer portal. If that sounds a little defeatist, well, then probably need to go look somewhere else because this is not a program that's going to go out and sign up to load of five stars every year. No, you've got to have a real game plan in recruiting. 
and Mississippi State is staying to that. Uh, of course, there's been a lot of uh, furor on the message boards this past week over a decommitment, but as Steve and Paul and others made very clear, as soon as he committed, it was just a matter of time before Alabama would come in and call and the kid would make a different decision. I don't know why that surprises people. You were certainly warned enough. But that's just the nature of recruiting because, uh, hey, I get my hopes up too. Other news out of uh, today's SEC teleconference. We're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. For the first time in a couple of years, State has true captains on the field. Yes. Now, I know you're saying, well, what about Austin Williams last year? Mike Leach's attitude towards this was he, he just didn't see the necessity for what we consider a traditional captain. You had leadership on the team. He absolutely valued that. But it didn't need to be represented by who walked out there to take a coin toss. In this case, Zach Arnett and his staff, they are more traditional in this mindset. So Will Rogers on offense, Nathaniel Watson on defense, they're going to be the permanent captains on this team. And it was interesting, too, to hear Arnett talking to the SEC Media Corps, and he left them a little going, huh? trying to figure out some calculations. Because when, when you make us media do math, sometimes it doesn't turn out well. But he enjoyed explaining that the selection process for captains this time was not just a straight-up vote. Uh, who do you want? It was a weighted system where all the first-year players, I suppose that means true freshmen as well as transfers who were in their initial year at Mississippi State, their votes counted one point. Second-year players, two points. Third-year players, three points. And beyond that, fourth, fifth, even six-year players, their votes counted four points. When all the math was done, I pity the likely graduate assistant who was charged with that, uh, working out all those numbers, it turned out, of course, that Rodgers and Watson were captains. And let's be honest, if he'd held a uh, raise-your-hand vote at Scott Field this weekend for who the captains are, I feel absolutely confident those are the two who would have won. You've got your record-setting quarterback in Will Rogers, who is now the face of the offense and a new and improved offense at that. You've got Nathaniel Watson, I should say a face of the defense, but uh, Jet Johnson certainly carries that role well. You could have taken either one of them, and Jet Johnson will get his turns this fall too because there's going to be a rotating pair every week of, of captains. So four dogs will go out to take the coin toss. I don't know if it means strength in numbers because Austin had a pretty good record winning those coin tosses, as I recall. Regardless, it's one of the symbolic things that Mississippi State is bringing back to the football program now. Another symbolic thing that is being added to the program, or at least more emphasized, the state script, it will indeed be the center field symbol on Scott Field, replacing the banner M that's been used for many years. That doesn't mean the banner M is going away. It is still the official university symbol, the branding, but athletics has more freedom to use different ones. They're coming out with the state script for opening day. It's already been painted on Scott Field and ready to go. And, of course, there will be touches in the field to turn serious um, moment here. Mike Leach will be remembered early in the game this weekend. There will be markings on the field. Uh, his family is supposed to be present for a commemoration of the life and times, not just at Mississippi State, but his long and legendary career as a college football coach and a man who did so much to rewrite offense, not just at the college level, but at the professional, the high school, every level of football bears the imprint of what he did developing the air raid offensive system. So be a quiet time there. I haven't asked anyone, but I would like to think 
there will be a quiet time, if not this game, certainly in a game to come, remembering our friend Johnny Cooks, who, of course, passed back in summer. Uh, and I do say friend because I was a sports information director assistant when Johnny was playing for state. I miss JC. Uh, we knew he was in bad health. It's still tragic to lose him. He's a member of the Ring of Honor on Davis Wade Stadium. So I, I certainly it would expect an appropriate commemoration be made for JC, old number 99, at some point during this schedule. Of course, all you know, a happier memory will be when the Kentucky game comes later in the season. State will break out the retro 1998-style uniforms by Adidas now with the MSJ, as we call it, because of the way the interlocking letters work. Uh, that will be, of course, to remember the 1998 SEC West Championship team that played for State's last and best shot at the Southeastern Conference Championship as well. Went to the Cotton Bowl. I still proudly have my watch. It's sitting on the uh, display behind me, in fact, as I record this with that MSU logo on it that was on the helmets of Jackie Sherrill's best teams. A lot to remember this coming season, but the larger point is, will this be a season to remember? I do definitely think so, and not just because you have a new coach, a new system, um, more fun to it, more excitement, uh, sellout crowds, eight and unprecedented eight home games this year as well. I think this team is going to make it a season to remember by what they do on Scott Field and the four road games and whatever bowl game they end up with. By the way, when I did my predictions, I had State 5-3, and three, as I said. I have them playing in the Texas Bowl. Uh, yes, five wins would normally put you in the Citrus at most and uh, back in Tampa, but uh, traditionally bowls don't want to bring back a team a second straight year. I will say this long ahead that if State has the season they should, I don't think Tampa would have to worry about a good crowd following the Bulldogs back there and filling it up. That's just me talking. Uh, I know Texas is, uh, from what we understand, does want Mississippi State to make its way out there and come out with the nine wins regular season, maybe even eight wins. I think they'd be playing in the Texas Bowl, which pays more than the Gator Bowl. I do enjoy the Gator Bowl, but the payout is higher in Texas. Uh, Most everything is supposed to be bigger out there, or so they say. Wow, a lot to take in for opening week here, but we've waited this long. It's time to play ball. you got a team that is, best we can tell, healthy enough to get started. We'll find out just how much that new Kevin Barbe offensive system has been developed and installed and ready to operate the first game. Yeah, we'll see mistakes. We'll see uh, things not go off on time, things not run as planned. That's why you play these openers. But I think this opener will be a good opening act, no pun intended, for the Bulldogs. They get 23 kicked off appropriately on Scott Field and then prepare for a visit from Arizona. And then it's time for that SEC opener against LSU. Yep, we're already looking ahead to that. I know, I know, I know. Dangerous. Yes, I was at the South Alabama in 2016. Yes, I was at Louisiana Tech in 2008. I know what can go wrong on opening days for our Mississippi State teams. I do not expect it to happen with this team. They're too focused. They've enjoyed camp too much. Yeah, they really have. They can talk all they want to about when to hit somebody, but they have done a really good job after practice just letting their enthusiasm for the team, the season, even just practicing together show through. Another reason to be optimistic about the season, optimistic about the program, the direction it's going, 
and just a dadgum good reason for you to show up, as I will too, at Scott Field, Davis Wade Stadium this weekend. Like I said, the weather's looking better. Shouldn't be just blazing hot. But the action on the field could be pretty heated if this team is anything like what we expect it to be. So that's our game week advanced edition of the Doghouse. And we thank you for checking in on this. We'll have the follow-up. And, of course, check us out on Gene's page because we're going to have full coverage with an expanded staff this uh, season as well, by the way. Steve and I intend to shoot our usual pregame video on Thursday from campus. You have that to look forward to, as well as a postgame wrap-up video. Uh, Mike Nemeth with his AP Gamer, myself, and the rest of the crew writing our various game stories from it. So you won't lack for coverage, but it's also best for you to be there, see it for yourself, and then judge. Did we give a proper report in all our angles? So let's kick off the season. It's time to play football. Mississippi State style. So, as Zach Arnett finished today's SEC teleconference, Hail State. You've been listening to The Doghouse with your host, David Murray, here on the Believe Podcast Network. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a like on Apple Podcast. Talking to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.